0: Hi, this is Trevor Blake, author of Secrets to a Successful Startup, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with
1: Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's Dive in. Joining me today is Trevor G. Blake. Trevor was the founder and CEO of QOL Media LLC, which he started with just a few hundred dollars and sold in 2010 for more than $100 million. He has since sold two more companies for over $300 million and is currently at work doing his fourth, fifth, and sixth companies, perhaps even more today. He's never hired a single employee or worked more than five hours a day. He's worked in the UK, Europe, and in the USA with companies such as 3M, Leafatech, and Biogen and has won many industry awards. Trevor's passion in physics and how we can use an understanding of the relationship between energy and matter to achieve success in any aspect of business and life. Trevor has homes in both greater Seattle and Newport Beach, and is here to talk about his book, Secrets to a Successful Startup, a recession-proof guide to starting, surviving, and thriving in your own venture. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you, Bill. Glad to be here. It's great to have you back. We had you on earlier to talk about your experiences writing your first book, and now we want to talk about secrets to a successful startup. So Trevor, to start with, I know that you reflect a lot on your life and your business. What's a favorite quote that inspires you today?
0: You don't know what business you're in until you get into the business.
1: And how has that helped you navigate and run successful businesses? Well, Bill, we live in a time of change. It's The old days of building you know, tall
0: hierarchical businesses and with loads of middle management ranks and things like that, those days are gone. And so you have to be prepared to be adaptable and use your intuition instead of analysis to make it optimal decisions these days. So for me, the startup world has changed completely. I was given that advice by a mentor back in 2000, and I was waxing lyrical about this fantastic business plan that I had that I'd spent probably 18 months preparing, and he had built Amgen, and uh, his name was George Rothman, and he's not with us anymore, unfortunately. And, and he held up his hand, and in fairness to him, he didn't belittle me, but he said, look, Trevor, you don't know what business you're in until you get in the business. Just start, for God's sake. I didn't really understand what he meant, so I started my first company, which you mentioned, uh, which is Qual, Quality of Life. I was in the business about three weeks weeks thinking I was going in one particular direction. Then suddenly I was going in a completely different direction. The reason being that once I was in the business, I saw opportunities I'd never seen before if I wasn't in the actual business, if I hadn't started. And I learned my lesson very quickly. All of my companies have been the same thing. I, I have an idea. I think I'm going in a certain direction. Then once you start, you see issues that you haven't seen before and your opportunities you haven't seen before. And you have to be very adaptable and make very strong and gut felt uh, decisions. And then if you can do that, you can go into all, all kinds of fantastic directions. And that's been my experience in six companies. And it's not like, it's six companies out of 20. I haven't had a load of failures. It's it's six out of six. So that for me was always the best advice I ever got. And I that's what I give to everybody else who starts a company is don't try and figure it all out before you start.
1: There's a degree to which that really makes sense, and you are able to find the points at which it makes sense in order to trust your intuition and learn from being in the business. And there's a big difference between hypothesizing about what you think the market wants and actually getting in there and having conversations with customers. Yet businesses fail so often. Startups fail so often with people just shooting from the hip and thinking that they're using intuition when they may be using it inappropriately. What advice do you have about how to use the insights that you gain from being in the business so that you could use the power of both customer feedback as well as your intuition to make better decisions?
0: Customer feedback is by far the most important. It's always amazing to me when I talk to budding entrepreneurs and even entrepreneurs who've started their companies and then have hit a sort of bump in the road along the way, how little time they spend talking to potential customers before they start. One of the things in Seekers to a Successful Startup I spend a lot of time talking about is the business planning process, because it's not a document. People think it's like an MBA thesis or something. It's a process. And the idea is to get away from your computer, out of your home office, and get out and talk to potential customers and also vendors and stakeholders and get their feedback. You, you basically ask them, if I build this, what would you think of it? And what, you have to use that feedback in order to develop your proof of concept and also to get investors interested. It astounds me the number of entrepreneurs that have never even talked to a potential customer. They think. They're brilliant, but they've they've never even tried to test it. So that's an essential part of that. And then, so, so the customer feedback is really important because when when a customer tells you something, you know intuitively if they're right or wrong, you can feel it. So it's it is that combination. It's like ingredients in baking. You have to have the right ingredients in the right order in the right amounts. I like to bake, so I use a lot of baking analogies. <laughs> I do feel that our know, business is like that. You're creating something from nothing, and uh, you can spend too much time analysing. Uh, so you have to get it right between the the right number of people to talk to, the the confidence you have in your intuition. And this is a man talking about intuition now. If I could bottle women's intuition, I'd be a multi-billionaire by now. So I've had to learn to deepen my connection with my intuition over the years. I I was married for 40 years to a wonderful woman. Fortunately, she's not with us uh, anymore. But her intuition was so strong in those days, all I had to do was ask her what she thought. And she would intuitively say, go left or go right. Without her by my side, I've had to learn to deepen my intuition and match that also with the kind of data and analysis I get from talking to
1: customers. See, that reminds me of a a quote that I remember from your book early on, where you say that that there are a lot of reasons that people think businesses are successful, but the first and foremost ingredient for startups isn't a talented team, it's not lots and lots of cash, and it's not a great website. I, I hear a lot of people listening saying, Oh my gosh, there was my first three months! And you say that it's about mentality and approach, and this is part of it. The intuition is a part of it. Talk about What are a couple of the other components of mentality and approach that make that crucial difference? If you
0: read any of the books that have been written about, and they're typically written by people who haven't started a company, by the way, they're academics and they say, okay, this is what makes companies successful or or failures. You You have to respect the opinion, but also understand that doing it teaches you a lot more sometimes than observing people do it. When it comes down to what makes success, it always comes down, no matter who the author is, it always comes down to the same two things. One is a sort of innate, a natural ability, if you like, to set targets with laser-like precision. And then the other thing is self-confidence. So you don't need to teams. You don't need need great ideas. You don't need lots of capital. You don't need any of those things, but you do need self-confidence. And self-confidence doesn't come naturally to anybody. You learn it and you build it through the process of basically starting a company. Coming up with a winning idea is a particular process that I talk about in Secrets to a Successful Startup. What makes a winning idea and how to find them, that gives you a degree of confidence. And then when you go through the appropriate startup phase and you structure sensibly for the modern time, so you don't do it the old hierarchy way and, and use up all your cash and go out of business quickly, then that gives you a degree of confidence that you're going to survive. And it really is a confidence. And I, I was confident to start my first company in 2000, and whenever it was 2002, 2003, because while I was working in a regular corporate world, I took my time to learn all the different functions of the business. So I was in sales and marketing, but most people I meet who are in sales and marketing don't ever think about learning the rest of the business. They'd just become experts at sales and marketing. But I wanted to know about distribution and manufacturing and regulatory and, and all the rest of it. And I probably was a bit of a nuisance in the business place because I would be forever knocking on people's doors and saying, if you got half an hour to share a pizza with me, I'd love to what you do and what your issues are. And, all. and I was just fascinated about how business integrates, how the different departments affect each other. And so when I started my own company, I started it with a probably a higher degree of confidence than most people do because I understood enough about each of the functions to know that I don't need to hire a director of distribution or a, or or the vice president of manufacturing at this point, I can pretty much stumble along by myself and keep my cash or keep my powder dry until I get to a certain size. And then when I need somebody to run these functions, then I'll do that. And so that's how I gained self-confidence before I started my first company. It's something I highly recommend if you're thinking about starting a company, that you look upon your current job as sort of paid and go and find out as much as you can.
1: I think that what you're saying also, I want to highlight, it's not just the paid training, but you took the advantage of it because of the inherent network in your company and you're able to reach out to different people who you might only tangentially know who are in distribution, who are in legal, who are in manufacturing. And we were able to tell me a little bit more, give me some insights that wouldn't be obvious. In fact, you were going ahead and interviewing so that you would develop an understanding that led you to be able to predict what worked and what didn't. And that is really an insight that I think people could take home who have inherent networks, either through their own business or through previous work jobs that they've held in corporate America. Be able to rely on those networks. It often is something that people don't do. Why is it that you think that people don't reach out to people who are connected to them and they could easily ask a question which could save them months or tens of thousands of dollars if they just got some feedback? You get a lot of
0: corporate politics in the regular workplace and sometimes it's not possible to do it. I never take no for an answer so I would just do it. I just open the door and go in. Some people are in a corporate environment where that's not possible and if that's the case the alternative is you go to where those functions hold their meetings. So there's always annual meetings of distributors and annual. Meetings of manufacturers, and you could so you can pick functions. A lot of people start a company coming out of the, out of finance and they don't they're a bit afraid of sales and marketing when well, you can go to a sales and marketing symposium somewhere and you just hang around those people and get a feel for it and look at what the latest trends are. I did this with accounting too, so you can't learn accounting just by following someone around for a day or two, but you can get a feel for the main issues, and it's all about that. It's about building confidence. You're never going to be an expert in any of those things, you're going to be a jack of all trades,
1: be conversational, and at least when things are hitting a line that requires getting some outside expertise. Exactly. You've got a heads up on
0: seeing issues before they become a problem and seeing opportunities that you would otherwise miss. And I think that is the big difference in the startup phase between those that grow fast and those that don't. So you've started your sixth company now. And how recent was that? That was at the end of 2019. And it's actually my digital marketing company, Trevor dot I didn't have a platform before, but I'd written two books and somebody said, how come you don't have a platform? And I hadn't really thought about it. So I just got into the digital marketing world and loving it. Really enjoyed it and also finding out it's not just fun because you're making a big impact in people's lives, but it's highly profitable if it's done right. It's a very lucrative business and it's basically minimum input. You put a lot of your heart and soul into it, but you don't have to have a lot of infrastructure. And I think in the modern world, that's a positive.
1: Now, many people start this by developing a course, by creating a program, but they don't get above the sustainable level of making a six, seven or eight figure enterprise. You've been able to do that. What's the difference between what you've seen others try and what you've been able to succeed because no matter how good your course or your product, your program is, or in your case, you call it a guild, what makes the difference is lots of people Coming to it to make awareness, and then having them choose to sign up and participate. And then here's the most important part. I think is having the people who participate become successful. That's what really lights it on fire and creates that virtuous cycle. What allows you to do that from your perspective?
0: It's a great product, so uh, I don't, I'm proud to say it. TrevorGBlake.com is a great product because it makes a difference in people's lives, and I guarantee that. Or you know, I've only in in two years only ever had three people ask for the money back, and and two of them I think they got buyer's remorse. They didn't actually look at any of the programs and said. She could only learn by listening and i use a lot of video and so out of thousands of people so we have a great product you've got to have a great product and that's number one number two is the ability to reinvest proceeds so i i actually don't do this so trevorgblake.com i don't do for profit any proceeds i get that i don't reinvest go to my animal sanctuary or to cancer research and development so that adds a bit of authenticity too and i think that encourages people to come along and, and, and take a, a longer look at it because here's a guy who doesn't need the money um already is already financially independent so it adds, sometimes there's a lack of authenticity with personal development a little bit because the person who's in charge of the personal development oftentimes is only successful because they had a book or because they had a course and they didn't actually go out into the world and achieve anything i think when you come across somebody who's who's built and sold several companies and at a high level at several hundred million dollars and still going i'm currently selling my fourth company right now which will be bigger than the previous three together there's an authenticity there and then when you see the guy doesn't need the money and his proceeds go to cancer recession development it adds another layer people will come in and say okay this is worth listening to or worth watching. So that's very important. So a really good product is essential. But then the ability to reinvest, because if you're relying on your digital marketing company to put bread on your table, it's going to be a bit of a struggle, I think, because you have to have this period where you build. I'm I'm talking to you, preaching to the choir here, you know all about this. I'm just learning it over the last two years. It's also, I think, a bigger investment than I a A lot of people still think in terms of, oh, if I have a few spare dollars, I can put a website up and I can start a company. My investment in the first six, seven months was $198,000 with no return on that investment. Before
1: you even saw your first sign-up.
0: Exactly. I wanted the platform to be right. I wanted everything to be solid and look great. And that's most people don't have that money to invest. And so knowing that it's going to take that makes you rethink, OK, how's my start going to look? Well, I'm probably going to need some outside help. So I'm going to need extra capital to come in somewhere to do this the right way. And I think that's part of our modern business. The way business used to be was you could start with basically nothing and you could build it locally and then go regionally. And then if you're really good, go nationally. That opportunity doesn't exist anymore. You have the opportunity to go from zero to 100 miles per hour immediately. And that takes a little bit more infrastructure and a little bit more investment than it did in the past. So one of the things I advise is make
1: sure you have to get through that start period. When you got started with this, did you reach out to gain some insights? Because you talk about going and asking people, hey, if I build this, what would you think? What were some of a couple of the interesting conversations you had that really opened your eyes to maybe some of the risks you needed to mitigate or some of the ways that you needed to prepare that you hadn't considered previously?
0: It's also when I, when I wrote my first book in 2012, I was naive and I thought that the publishers did all the marketing, social media and all that kind of stuff. And I just have to sit back and wait for the check to come. And then I realized that they don't really do any marketing anymore. And so then I went on an adventure of finding out, okay, how does this work? So I talked to some PR firms and I hired one and it didn't work out. So I had another one that worked out better. And then I hired someone to do my social media and then realized that I'm paying a lot of money for them to represent my voice when I actually have a voice. Why aren't I using my own voice? And so it took me a couple of years to figure it all out, I think. It was like starting in a new business. A new industry. But I did the same thing that we're talking about just 10, 50 minutes ago. I knocked on all the different doors and asked a load of people, tell, teach me, tell me about this. I really want to learn. And it's funny, it doesn't take too long before you suddenly start talking like you've known it all your life and really you've only just learned it. So it was that. So then when it came to my second book, Secrets to a Successful Startup, I wanted to make sure I had a platform in place for this one and do the launch correctly and, and get the message out to everybody. So that's when I decided, okay, I'll make a formal company, an LLC. I'll call it TrevorGBlake.com. We'll build a really good platform proper sales funnels. And uh, that took a good year, really, because I'd learned enough. I was able to say, okay, this is a good digital marketing company, as opposed to that one that I might have hired not having spent the time to learn about it. So I was able then
1: to hire really good. So you learned through this process, how to create a recipe, you tested it and refined it. And I know that not every business model works for every company, or even every author looking to build a digital platform. But given that someone's interested in doing the same thing you are doing, by creating a a platform for being able to work with people on the basis of intellectual property you've created through your books. What are a couple of the questions that helped you decide how to hire the firm to help you build the sales funnel and maybe get some of those initial infrastructure questions out of the way that you were not expert in? What are some of the questions that you gained as a result of your interviews and refining your process during that? I always challenge people to say, okay, what do you see when you see TrevorGBlake.com? What future do you see?
0: Always use a what question and and there's open-ended questions and closed questions so in any interview process you only really all your questions start with the word what you try to get people to open up and talk and people love to talk they, they love to tell you how great they are and their their talent and their previous experiences and stuff like that but but i was interested in what they saw trevor g blake becoming and it was really interesting so some people would say oh it's, it's a digital marketing opportunity and other people would say it's a book launch and all this kind of things and then there was some really wonderful conversations where people came up with terms like we see it as what, transformation personal transformation and financial independence meet. You've got both. You've got the personal transformation in your transformation course, which is it's basically, it's based on quantum physics and understanding how to play with energy and change your life as a result. And then structuring a business in a certain way whereby you can go from naught to 100 very quickly. And that's really, you can get financially independence so quickly these days, but you have to do it the right way. You have to structure the right way. So when I came across those people, they seemed more visionary and that's where I wanted to play because there's no point working with people that aren't fun. So when people would say that to me, I'd say two things. One is I'm going to steal that phrase and trademark it, which I did. And then two, we're going to work together and build it. And it's it's been a blast so far.
1: So one of the things that you say in the book is that you went ahead when you were first starting your business and wanted to identify some common traits among very successful entrepreneurs. And you read the biographies of people from Henry Ford to Madam C.J. Walker to Sir Richard Branson. And you said that one of the things just struck you like a lightning bolt about what was the common area that all of them wanted wanted to do as an entrepreneur and it didn't have anything to do with making lots of money. It was because they were, quote, hopping mad about something that they were driven to fix. Describe how that guides you with searching for products to bring to market. I don't think it's the
0: only way to come up with a winning idea and start a company. You can identify something in yourself that says, okay, I love to do X and you can be successful that way. It can happen, but I think it's a lot harder. I think it's every successful entrepreneur I've met and this would be true of my own life too, didn't start out to be a successful entrepreneur. They saw something that irritated them. They looked for someone to fix it. They tried to find a product that fixed it and then realized, what, this doesn't exist. Do I have the courage to do it myself? Can I fix this? And all the people you mentioned, CJ Walker, her hair fell out because she was so stressed in a terrible life, a life of poverty and brutalization. And so she couldn't find a hair tonic that worked. So she, she started her own hair tonic. It worked. She went door-to-door selling it, and she eventually became America's first female millionaire. And Imagine hoping, where yeah. she would be with a good digital platform. We'd be all early. right now, exactly. So things like that, Richard Branson got frustrated at how much vinyl, we call them records in the UK, but how much vinyls cost, and students couldn't afford them. And so he started his own discount record company and went from there. But he did the same as airlines. He got, he got frustrated because his flight got canceled. He had a date with a woman in a Caribbean island, and he was afraid he would miss that date. And so he chartered the plane, but he couldn't afford it. So he filled the seats. He he went around the airport saying, who wants to fly to this island? And that's how Virgin Airlines started. You end up just seeing something that needs fixing and you go about fixing it, even though you haven't got a clue what you're doing. And it's perfectly true for my company. I have never been qualified at the beginning to start any of the companies that I've built. And that would include all of them, including this digital platform, right? I knew nothing, but I wanted to fix something. I have an issue with self-help and personal development because so much of it is inauthentic. And I wanted to put an authentic message out there, an authentic voice. So that's my passion for doing this part with cancer research and development, I'm totally unqualified. I'm not a chemist or a biologist. I'm a physicist. I'm totally unqualified for cancer drug research and development. But the side effects of cancer treatment really have been an issue for me over the years. And so I wanted to develop a drug that didn't have side effects. And everyone says that's impossible, doesn't exist. And so I went about fixing that. And we're in clinical trials right now with a drug that has no side effects. I'm totally
1: unqualified to lead that, but I do lead it. The message that comes out of your book, your stories and your life experience is that successful companies find a need or problem and develop a solution. You just start, you just say, I need to fix this. And something magical happens. And it
0: does, this does get a little bit sort of almost new age in thought process, I think. But once you commit to something, it's almost like you send out a message to the Higgs field. There's this cosmic blue that exists that connects us all together, saying, this needs fixing. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to put myself out there I'm I'm willing to put my head on the block. And then all of these amazing things happen. You'll be, I had a great story yesterday. Somebody, so somebody who's part of my guild just signed up for the guild, sent me a wonderful email saying that they've committed to starting this and they were getting a coffee. She started talking to the person next to her in line for the coffee. He turned out to be the person who built the Ritz-Carlton Empire, which is exactly the business that she intended to go. You can't make that stuff up. If she hadn't made the commitment, she probably wouldn't have gone for a coffee at that precise time, at that precise location. And of course, she's got his business card. He's invited her in to look at the, how they do these things. Those things happen only the the moment after you make your commitment and you say, I'm going to fix this. Don't know how, but I'm going to fix this. And then all these amazing things happen. You look back a couple of years later and say, how on
1: earth did I pull that off? It reminds me so much of the quote from Goethe, where boldness has genius, magic and power behind it. Another one of my favorite bits from your book is the, the idea that when you're first planning your business, you need to realize that it's going to cost twice as much as budgeted and that projects often are twice as complicated as you anticipate and often take twice as long as expected. Yet, You also have found ways to shortcut those extra margins that are built in. You've been able to find ways to go from zero to 100 in a a flash. What is it that helps reconcile that with, first of all, taking a longer view and being more patient, and then second, realizing that you have the power to step into line at Starbucks and meet someone rather than going to three years worth of networking events and never meeting
0: that kind of person? I know people believe in the networking thing, but it, it has to do with energy. So we have to get into an energy discussion. There's The smart people flow with the energy and the dumb people flow against the energy and networking is flowing against, okay? There's everything in life is made of energy and that includes our thoughts and our words. These are all energies. A thought is produced by a neurochemical reaction in your brain and that has a little charge that can be measured. There are some Japanese scientists who've now measured a thought and th- that thought then goes out into the universe with that charge, okay? With that actual, it's a thing, it's a real thing. It's a package of energy. And the challenge with it is we have to follow the laws of energy, the laws of thermodynamics. Energy can either be created nor destroyed, only changed into another form. So if energy thoughts or thought energy has no choice but to become its material equivalent. So when you're thinking against something, so you're saying, okay, I'm going to a networking event because you're going to it because you're against the position that you're in right now. You feel you need help. You feel it's not going right. You feel the element to that. You're lacking. Yeah, that's good. I like that. A sense of lack. You're going to get more of a sense of lack. So those thoughts are going to come back and give you even more of what you thought about. So you have to be careful about what you're against and you have to be for something. I'm already for the solution. It's already fixed in my mind. I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but it's fixed, right? I've already, I've said, right, this thing's fixed. It's done. I am. So I'm not going to say that one day I can and I will be successful because it will always be slightly ahead of you, slightly out of reach. I, this, whatever the fill in the blanks. So let's say I say, I am a billionaire, whatever turns you on. So let's take an example. My first company, I limited myself and I regret doing it now, but I already said before I started the company that I sold this company for at least a hundred million dollars. I said that before I started it and I took 18 months just to raise. To, with everybody shaking their head saying this is a crazy idea, it's impossible. You're not clever enough, Trevor Blake. You've never been a CEO, you've only ever been a junior manager, you can't possibly succeed. But all that all the time that's going on, in the voice in my head is saying, I have sold this company for for at least 100 million million. And so you have to start with this vision that's something you're for and not something you're against. So you initially saw something that you're against, something needs fixing. I'm against this situation. And you immediately switch mentally to fixing it. So although your initial trigger is something that you were against because you didn't like it. So it takes something like Netflix, okay? So the guy that started started netflix he took his video back to blockbuster rewound it and he got a charge and it really frustrated him he thought there must be a better way of renting videos why isn't it like a gymnasium membership whereby i can rent one video and keep it forever if i want just like a gymnasium i get my membership whether i go or not i pay the same monthly fee and so he started that way so you could with cds and, and first of all videos and then cds you could in those days order it would come in your mailbox and if you were lazy you'd just sit on it for a month or so but if you were really into it you'd watch it quickly send it back get another one so you could actually get Say 10 CDs a month for the same price if you were into the CDs. He had no idea that there was a thing called streaming video that was down the road that's going to completely change the fortunes of Netflix. He just saw something he wanted to fix, got his mind into a solution mentality, had this huge vision, built a successful company, and then life fills in the details. Life brings you all these other wonderful things, which in his case was streaming video. And so now you have this amazing company and it put blockbusters out of business. He didn't go after blockbuster and try to put Blockbuster out of business. He was always just about fixing something that he felt needed fixing. And that's in a rambling way. That's kind of how I look at the
1: startup world. You find something to fix and then you immediately go into solution mentality. And neither you nor I, having been net customers, have ever been charged a fee for not rewinding a DVD or returning an on, on film. And, and now we live in a painless world where it's I don't even know what my netflix subscription
0: cost me i don't care it's just a small small number and i love netflix And that's all created from a man just deciding to fix one little thing that's the beauty of
1: the world we live in so one of the things that i think that people are curious about with the trevor's guild which is your online community. You've created it for people who are creators and disruptors who want to be on the cutting edge of change. Can you talk about how you use that phrase to identify the people who are going to be good fits for the program and also will find success rapidly? What is it about that phrase that you chose in order to be a screening mechanism to bring people into Trevor's Guild? You can't be a member of Trevor's Guild without having the courses. So, because otherwise you have people who've re- who've become
0: wizards in their own right They're, they've been through the transformation process it's a course but it's really more of an experience everybody who does the experience it takes about 30 days the first time you do it they do it again and again because I'm no different to anybody else I'm, I've got the same hang-ups and self-doubts and issues that everybody has I have learned over the years that certain tools and techniques help me get over these particular flaws in my character and help me focus on success and so that's all I'm doing in these experiences is sharing that with other people but what we don't have time for is somebody coming into it so the, a guild is a sort of group now for uh, a collection of wizards, a gathering of wizards. And that's how I start a world. We're like wizards. We start something from nothing. We create like a magic. It's like we have a wand and we produce something absolutely impactful in life. And something that's fun to do, but we also share in the material and other rewards that come naturally as a result of that. And my, my mantra, the mantra for the guild: make a difference in someone's life, have fun doing it, share in all the rewards that come naturally as a result of setting that energy and flow is the mantra of the guild. And so, once someone's gone through the transformation and the secrets to a successful startup experiences, I know that they're they're like me now, and so they so they can be part of the guild, and we can contribute to one another's success. So we have scientists and teachers and entrepreneurs, investors, all. I mean, just we have artists. Uh, we have bands actually to have two bands and two well-known bands in the guild now. The dancers, musicians, all across all walks of life. But these people are in the process of creating their own magic in the startup world in whatever venture they choose it doesn't have to be a commercial venture it can be an artistic or creative venture that doesn't have a commercial endpoint it's just it's good to have a group of people who are like that and I, there's nothing else. i don't see anything else that's out there that's like that most of these memberships are very you come join my membership and everyone's asking the same dumb questions all, all the time okay how do i get started so
1: in order to be in the guild you have to go through the experiences first in order to be successful with their marketing and getting customers in which is one of the big keys that you talk about in the book is Cash Flow is King. It's one of the most important aspects of running a successful business because it takes the pressure off other areas and you start making better decisions as a result. What's one of your favorite examples of helping sharpen the marketing message? of an entrepreneur or participant in Trevor's? We'll go back to just what we're talking about now. Whatever you do has to have an impact. Okay, it's got to make
0: a positive difference in someone's life. And otherwise, there's no point. And it's amazing how many products out there that are just me too products. I mean, the Chinese have a lovely phrase. They say, are you a me first? Are you me first, me also, or nothing really? And so you need to be a me first. You need to be something that hasn't existed before. And that could be something that could be this. You could have... Let me jump in, Trevor.
1: Do you have an example and say, let me tell you about Cherry. Let me tell you about Marty. Give me an example of someone you work with and say, here was the before. And then here's the after. Here's how they were able to make a big impact. So I'll I'll pick Blake. So not just because he's got the first name, which is my last
0: name, but Blake is typical. So he comes from... corporate environment. He had the same experience and training that we all had. He was taught if you have an issue, call a meeting. And if you have an opportunity, hire someone to fix it and stuff like that. And so he came into the program and into the experience to learn a different way of doing things. And so he learned that there's a really unique and different way of doing things. And he had an idea and eventually he had the courage to jump off the cliff because at some point we all have to jump. And I always tell people when you jump, never be afraid of falling because you'll find you actually fly. And so he jumped and he finally made it. And so he started his own fix. And his fix was to try and find a way to create air conditioning units in hostile environments where there's no power grid. So basically refrigeration units in the worst possible conditions. You could, you can have, you can store vaccines and you can store agricultural products and stuff like that. And again, he was told, okay, this is impossible. It's not going to happen. So he came into our program. He came into, into the guild and learned from everybody unique ways of doing something that, that he'd thought about fixing for a while and uh, his thing's called Solar X and off he goes and produces a prototype and a proof of concept and the whole world wants a piece of this now, including major people like the Bill Gates Foundation and stuff like that because it's a fantastic solution to a real issue in some of the more hostile environments in the world where the growing season is really short and most of the produce ends up rotting that you can find a way to produce solar-powered air conditioning. Isn't that an incredible invention? And so you change the world that way. The Guild
1: is full of those stories. It's remarkable. And when he had that, that vision of being able to Change it. What were some of the changes that you remember him making, maybe just even one change, between how he was talking about the solution he was pursuing and a change that he made that now made it easier to attract the people who could support him both financially as well as with vendors and suppliers, that they were just more attracted to it and it created an easier path for that energy to flow. He had to learn to trust his intuition, okay? So he has to go through the transformation process.
0: And and part of that is maintaining mentality control because the world's telling you that you're insane, okay? So you've got you've got to get through that part of it. and then there's deepening your intuition and connecting. And so this is going to sound a little strange, but one of the ways that we do that is that we learn to immerse ourselves in nature. So it's very important. Everybody's had the experience of "I've got a problem, I can't figure it and then they go take a shower and when they're in the shower, the solution arrives from nowhere okay? So what we do is we learn to structure our days. You mentioned at the very beginning of this recording, the five-hour work that we, you know, I only work two or three hours these days, but in my most productive times, worked up to five hours a day. But you can, your brain can only focus and concentrate for two hours. So so if you have a productive period, then you get, your brain gets a little tired, and it's scientifically shown that when your brain's a little tired, you're at your most creative. And so then you get the hell out of there, whatever there is, and you just immerse yourself in nature in a certain way, the certain tools and techniques, and the solutions pop into your head and it sounds ridiculous and miraculous and, and and sort of new agey, but that's exactly how I live. And what I teach in the guild, this is what you have to do. You have to split your time up between periods of productivity and periods of complete relaxation where the magic happens. And so he was able to, so he trusted me enough to introduce that into into his life. And remember, he's come from corporate America, where his, his, he had a 10 hour work day and it was filled with meetings. And if you're not busy all the time, you don't look busy all the time, people start to question your value and if you're actually needed anymore. So he's had to learn to shift his mentality away from that crazy corporate madness and uh, and into this Entrepreneur startup process or, or schedule where we don't get up in the morning and start checking our emails. We do certain things in the morning before we even get our mental, mentality control to the point where it's ready to start work. So I, I start work at nine, not, not, I don't consider this work. We're working before nine o'clock, but this isn't work. This is fun for me. So I don't start work till nine and I, I don't start with my emails and catching up and all like that. I take number one priority that I set the night before and I work on that and make sure I get something productive done. And then I open up to all the other stuff that that happens, and then at 11, not 11.05, not 10.56, 11 o'clock on the dot, I get out of my office and I leave my devices behind and I get out into nature. And that's where my magic happens. I schedule my day that way. Getting somebody like Blake to have the courage to do that straight from the corporate world is not straight, it's not easy. Okay, it takes a lot of confidence. It it, it takes a little bit of of trust. So he's able to do that. So now he's, so what happens is he does his productive two hour period and then he takes his time out and he goes into nature. And then when he comes back, the phone goes and it's Bill Gates Foundation who have heard from Bob, who heard from Sally, who heard from someone else you're working on this program and this is really important to us this is what this is something we've been working on for years and have that's the magic that happens when you step away and you just have to learn to trust in it but that's why the guild exists is to be a helping hand for people to go through that transformation process of getting out of the corporate mentality and into
1: entrepreneurial mentality which is something completely different how has the pandemic lockdown affected people's ability or even willingness to be open to these new ideas? I think it's, it's created a tsunami of people moving to working from home, but there's
0: a big difference between building a company from home and working from home because working from home, you still have a kind of support structure. You've got your human resources, even though they're remote now, you've got human resources and all the rest of it and the corporate hierarchy. When you're building a company from home and it's, it, when you start out, it's just you're a one-man band and that's quite an adjustment. And the temptation is always to better sit by the telephone in case someone calls or better sit by the computer in case an email comes in. And so developing the disillusionment discipline to change your work structures is takes some time. And that's why things like the Guild are needed, because people need to see that there's a better way and a different way of doing things. Because I think as an entrepreneur, you can get burned out very quickly in the early days. I don't know if you found the same thing, but you feel guilty sitting there and nothing, the phone's not going and the emails aren't coming in. That must be doing something wrong and you can get burned out quite quickly. The adjustment isn't to be underestimated, I think, but there is a tsunami of people who have made the successful transition of coming out of the corporate workplace to the home life. And I don't think ever want to go back to the corporate world. And that's not for everybody. A lot of people like the corporate world because they they need camaraderie. They're not willing to be responsible for on on their own. And that's fine. That's their choice. But if you make that decision, then you need, you need help to think in a different way so that you can get success with balance. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who work long hours are very successful, but they're on their third marriage and their dogs don't recognize them. And that's no way to live. So for me, it's all about success and balance.
1: And as part of being responsible for your life and your business is to create or join a community that's already been created like this. It's to find ways to meet the need of being with like-minded people who will help you succeed.
0: Yeah, and learn off one another. I learn as much out of the, from the guild. I'm the captain of the ship at this point in time, but I'm sure in the future somebody else will step up and be the captain. I, I look forward to that day. But I learn as much from everybody else as, as as they do from me. And That I think that is very helpful. In a way, you could say it's a networking forum. In a way, but the the difference is that you're not entering looking for help. You're entering looking to contribute, and that's a big difference because you bring you bring your unique set of mentality and skills and ideas to the group and so the group can grow as a whole as, uh, as a sort of byproduct of your your attendance if you like
1: and contributions
0: yeah yeah
1: just the bring just bring energy alone is is helpful one of the people you quote in your book is dr lewis Terman, and he was a psychology professor at stanford who improved the stanford Binet aiq test and he is very well known for doing this and what his longitudinal study called out was that there are two factors that make it far more important than intelligence in terms of achievement and that is discipline and self-confidence and it sounds like you've embodied that and created a, a structure both in your program and the guild that allow people to develop that discipline along the right methods that aren't commonly taught in our culture and society today and through working those processes the result is that they become more self-confident that's exactly it and that's a fantastic summary
0: bill that's that i couldn't have put it better myself discipline is essential and it's not natural it's something we have to learn i'm a lazy guy laid back and so i've had to learn to be very disciplined and also to respect the non-working periods with the same to the same degree as the working periods, because that's where the magic happens. And that's something you have to learn, obviously, over time. And when the magic happens, you realize, oh my goodness, it's working. And and then you become more disciplined. But so to have the discipline that builds the self-confidence. Without
1: Trevor, you've been so generous sharing with us your insights and experiences on my quest for the best. I want to thank you again and call out some highlights of what we talked about today, because it's so important to recap. You talked about the idea that business that you envision it with your online business is really the intersection of transformation And success. It's financial success plus personal transformation. You talked about how it's the process that helps people become successful. Going through the planning process that you described very deeply in your book is what develops the insights that people need in order to form their business correctly. Developing a business plan isn't about creating a document. It's about gaining the insights from having those conversations. You talked about how developing self-confidence is really a byproduct of having a great product and knowing how to reinvest the funds in order to continue to build a better and better organization and we talked about some of the little known things such as the the Hicks field in being able to use that cohesive energy that binds us all together and using that to guide us into opportunities and interactions that can help further our goals and also the fact that it's important to think of ways that you can contribute and preparing yourself to contribute really means being very responsible for yourself and how you spend your time and your attention every minute of the day. So for these and so many more reasons, I want to thank you, Trevor, for joining me on my quest for the Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. And once more, Tre- author of, Trevor G. Blake, author of Secrets to a Successful Startup, A Recession-Proof Guide to Starting, Surviving, and Thriving in Your Own Venture. Where can we find out more about working with you online? Where's the best website? TrevorGBlake.com. Trevor, thanks again for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review My Quest for the Best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com.